theme song. Um, welcome everybody to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. My name is Dylan Murphy. With me as always is my friend, John Gillen. John, That's how are me. you? I'm, I'm doing well, doing well, Excellent. functioning, breathing, drinking coffee. We have been as busy as if beavers and bees had sex and had children, those children would be really busy. That would be us. Busy Long beaver sure. bees. Yes, would they exactly. be flying yes. beavers? That's, that's what I want to know. I don't know, man. I'm the ideas guy. I'm, I'm not, you know. Well, this, but this is the idea. I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like honey beavers could also be pretty awesome. Also terrifying. Um, <laughs> what kind of tails would they have? Um, so, <laughs> getting really off the, the topic. <laughs> right. This is the Speaking of guitars. Um, yes, so you've been really busy. I've been moving house. I now have an office man cave, which I'm currently... Uh, talking to you from look at my i bought a guitar rack where i can keep my guitars what all in one. yeah all in i know one place there's all even a wavy place. mirror behind you there is I yeah see, this, i can see the guitar rack through your ikea wavy mirror it's the te- most terrifying thing that the amount of mirrors in this house there is about eight mirrors in about three or four rooms it's Are they like on the, the last tenant it's oh, um, it's like the last tenant was terrified of vampires or something, um. So yeah, I don't know. You've been busy. You're coming to Ireland soon, I hear. That's that's the rumor. Um, should, should everything go smoothly, then yes, I will be there. Um, middle of the month here. What is it? The nineteenth, I think, I, or the twentieth. I land. So it'll be great to be back. Super excited. Uh, we're gonna kind of put some feelers out there, see what happens, and it should yes. be fun. Maybe we can do some recording while we're out there. That would be great. Um, we were both extremely busy people, as stated earlier in the awful bee beaver analogy. So, <laughs> John, it's my look of the week. And friends, as you probably guessed from the title of the show, this is our um, Dylan and John Goes Acoustic uh, episode. We are talking all things acoustic and picking brains, each other's brains, about acoustic guitars. Ah, I see what you did with the there you picking. Go. Uh, yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's unintentional. Um, so this is, uh, this is my lick of the week. So, John, if you've got it there, um, I can give you some background while you're pulling it up. This is, I've listened to this more. I'm going to get back to this in what we've been working on, but this has been my baby pet project for the last two weeks, and it has been infuriating, but also very rewarding. Okay. All right. So here we go. What? Oh my gosh, that is some classic chicken picking. Dude, um, Albert Lee? No. Oh. <laughs> Older. Think, think kind of old. I don't know how, when Albert Lee was around, but it's, yeah. I don't know, forever? Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Chet Atkins, maybe? Yes, well, it is Chet Atkins and Jerry Reed. Um, oh, gosh. Yes. They're on some late night TV show. Uh, Jerry Reed is hilarious, by the way. They're both, there's just, I think they did this load of sessions in the 70s where they just, you know, went as each other, you know, they played gigs together and they just constantly uh, take the piss out of one another. It's great. But that is called Jerry's Breakdown. That part that I sent you is Jerry Reed. And, but I've been learning Oof. it as a hybrid uh, chicken picking thing because it can be done that way. Um, but what's so weird is that uh, he is a classical finger style kind of player a little bit. No um, yeah, because he uses you know, um, uh, classical acoustics. But when he's playing, he uses his thumb. And then he, like Brian Setzer, 
tux his uh, pick into the groove in his index finger and then plays uh, thumb, ring, and middle finger. It's such a weird way of playing. But yeah, amazing piece of music. So strange, man. And so hard to play fast. Does he use his uh does he use his pinky at all as well? No, no, it's just like thumb, middle, ring, and then his index finger is indisposed by tucking in the pick. You should watch the video. I didn't even notice until I watched the video like six times. Um, and I was like, what is he doing? And then Chet Atkins comes in and later in that video, Chet Atkins actually sweet picks with a thumb pick. Oh, dude. Ridiculous. I posted Oof. it on our Twitter page not too, not too long ago. So yeah, that is my lick of the week. Um, so acoustic guitars, this is our, our topic of this week. So we're going to start with gear talk um, about acoustic guitars, what to look sure. for, um, our preferences and history maybe with uh, purchasing acoustic guitars. So John, would I be right in saying you are like most people and that your first guitar was an acoustic guitar? Uh, it was. It also wasn't really a choice of mine. So <laughs> it was Barely a gift. Is. It was a gift. It was a, a ah. little bit of, and you know, of course, back in the day when you went to the guitar shop and, or your parents went to the guitar shop to buy your first guitar, they would ask some guy who'd been around since before the dawn of time and say, Hey, well, my son would like to play guitar. What should he get? And they'd say, well, you should always start on a, on an acoustic which I think was just because they sort of enjoyed torturing little children's fingers. I, I can only assume that is why. But exercise and discipline. Yeah, exactly. So if you really want to play, you're going to tough it out on this thing, I think was sort of the theory behind it. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. But yes, it was. Um, I don't even remember what it was. It was some sort of cheap instrument that I no longer possess. But what, what about you? I mean, was yours the same? Yeah, um, more so I, I, I did, well, I, I think it's kind of the classical guitar thing in that you, classic guitar thing in that you, uh, you pick it up and then you put it down because you, because it hurts your fingers so much and they just went mm. like on off and I, my dad had this old beat up Yamaha, which he still has and got uh, professionally set up recently and it's, it's great, but then I ended up playing his so much he was like look we'll just get you one and um, so i got a yamaha freshman which i think is a fantastic beginner guitar they retail mm-hmm. at about i don't know 150 euro or something for, for yeah, anyone with the box seems about the right case. 200 bucks or whatever and they, yeah. they sound pretty good like you wouldn't use them for recording but just for having around the house they're pretty mm-hmm. high quality um so yep i um was also the same and then i made the leap to a i am i do play a lot of acoustic and I've made the leap to a Taylor 110, which I bought near the factory in San Diego. And it is a fantastic guitar. I'm never going to sell it. Uh, it's so weird in that I've taken it around the world with me, came to me, came with me to Spain, came to me to Canada. And wow. I brought it in to get it fixed up recently because uh, it's taken a few knocks. And the luthier was shocked by its color. And apparently it had gotten like tanned, the sun from Spain and stuff had actually changed the color of the guitar. No kidding. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So do you play much acoustic guitar? Um, I wouldn't say I, I do play a lot. I mean, I do, I, I think I probably record more with it than I play, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, um, but recording an acoustic guitar is an ordeal. Yeah, and maybe we can, I don't, I don't know, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. Right, so I have a, uh, I have a kind of mid-range acoustic from a Canadian company called Simon & Patrick. They got bought out a few years ago by Guild. Um, 
and there it actually turned out to be a really great guitar i spent about a thousand on it uh this was 10 years ago it's or actually no more than that gosh that was 15 years ago it's kind of right. my upgrade acoustic guitar but the same guitar now i think retails for somewhere around 1500 or something like that so it's sort of a mid-range That's guitar amazing. uh but yeah, it's it needs some love. The frets have been worn down. I've played everything and anything on it, and it's just and it's been through the war. So yeah, they get beat up. You know, they're they're yeah. Um, I always like to say, if you are getting a good acoustic guitar, get a hard case for the love of God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, and and do do watch out on the humidity. So even even in more humid humid climates you still need to be careful that you're not over-humidifying the guitar. I've seen guitar tops warp from being over-humidified. As well as like here in Colorado, it's really common to see them crack. So there's there's a balance you want to strike. You want to keep it sort of under 50, um, but definitely over 20. So there's somewhere in there is usually recommended. But I thought as far as uh, kind of a helpful thing that we could kind of cover today would just be that we've talked a little bit about mid-range and low-range and those sorts of things just in passing. And we've kind of covered those bases. But in general, I I find for kind of a, a an entry-level guitar, like you were saying, like the Yamaha, if you're looking in that $200, $600 range, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the Yamaha is really good, but the, there's some Takamines that are really good. You've got some mm-hmm. Simon and Patricks. The Breed Loves, which I don't know the story on them, but they still pop up on Reverb a fair bit. Okay. And they're really good guitars. They kind of came on the scene, I don't know, maybe about 10 years ago. Right. I, I don't know them. Breed Love. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have have a look. And there's there's a few more here, like as we kind of get into the higher mid-range stuff that we can talk about that would give some sort of idea of of that, uh, of that, of that price point. But at any rate, the, the Breed Loves, the, these mostly tend to be laminate guitars at this price point. And I think, like you said, Honestly, when you're looking at an entry-level guitar, the Yamaha sounds great, plays well. You're not dealing with some sort of crazy action. I feel like when you get kind of some of these entry-level Epiphones and you're, you're paying more money for the name than you are the, the quality of the build and you end up with some weird guitars. But yeah, the, the Breed Loves I find are pretty good. And then if you're kind of looking for something a little bit more in between, things like an Eastman, if you're looking kind of 600 to 1,000, Eastman guitars are really good. Some of the higher-end Takaminis, the Simon and Patricks, again, those would be ones I would recommend. Eastman is one that I don't think a lot of people are familiar with. They're known for their archtop guitars, primarily. I, I have a jazzy association with them. But for the price point, like, again, I, I came across this... Uh, Eastman with a bear claw spruce top, mahogany back and sides. It was six, seven hundred bucks. So oh, yeah, bad. and I think you can you can get a decent tailor at that price too. Oh yes, you can. Yeah. yeah. How much did you spend on your tailor? Mine was six hundred dollars, and uh, but they have since brought out the Taylor one one four, which uh, my dad is thinking of getting now uh, that he's retired and 
has yeah anyway um yeah but he he fell in love with one of them in the store i'm like yeah they're so nice so we have to bring it up hot take taylor's are better than marshall's sorry not marshall's martin's doing that again (laughs) hot take taylor's are better than martin's fight me um, I think Martin is just so I have not played a Martin that has beaten my tailor at all and mine is like a mid-range I have played very expensive Martins and I just think it's just a name it's just a Neil Young Eric yep. Clapton name um, you know I mean I think I think Martins have a very particular sound and so that's kind of why and to be honest I I find Martins to be too dark and typically not always I find tailors to be too bright Taylor's, I think, sound fantastic plugged in. Yes. yes Almost without fail. Martin, I think you're, it, there's a, it's hit or miss whether or not that guitar is going to sound good plugged in. But generally speaking, Martin guitars, to me, sound really dark. The Taylor's sound really bright. Plus, everybody puts elixirs on their Taylor's, and then it's like shimmery, shining angels or whatever. Yeah, but, it's- uh you got to get that Dave Matthews sound, John. Exactly. But the reason, <laughs> oh, the reason I went with the Simon and Patrick when I bought it was because I was playing Martins and Taylors that were $400 more and didn't sound as good as this particular guitar. So Interesting. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's weird because of all the guitar brands that you just listed there for like mid-range, I wouldn't have really... Yes, I've played some fantastic, and I call them Takamines, but Takamini. Yeah, um, but there's like I've played some really nice Guild uh, mm, mm-hmm. range, um, Art and Guthrie. They're a Canadian brand, really yep. really nice. But when you're going, if you're going up, to, like if you're hitting the thousand euro, you know, fifteen hundred, two thousand, this is when things really start to get like really interesting. Just when it comes to, especially in Ireland, uh, it's it's amazing because you have you have Avalon who are now defunct. You who like if you can get your hand on one of those guitars, they're amazing. Um, Loudon in the north. Yes, but can you, uh, I don't think you can find a Loudon under five. To be honest, can you, you can find they are there is a guitar shop in Galway that does sell Loudons, but I think you're paying like twenty five. Yeah. Um, the best guitar I've played, acoustic guitar I've played in the last five years or so, was this band brand from the north called uh, McElroy, and they are the most amazing just everything about them is stunning and um, a friend of mine recently studied in the Loudon factory and he became a luthier teacher there and has re- recently become he is so passionate about making instruments it's just his it's his world it's really hard to have a conversation with him sometimes i don't care about woods um but he uh was he um, he started his own brand now kill coin guitars so there um there's, there's there, he's he's you know making a living out of it which is really really cool and what is what what's kind of the price point on those i think that i think that's a really fascinating thing i want to talk about that but what's what are we looking at for a price point on like kill coin guitars kill coin guitars i think like if he knows it see he does like the amount of guitars he's built himself yeah he's built maybe less than 10 guitars so he mm-hmm. doesn't have he wouldn't have say the rep but for a custom-made guitar, you are looking at 25, 2 to 25. But it is like to your absolute specifications. Well, so, uh, uh, but that is a fantastic price for yeah. something like that. So yeah. let's, let's get back to that because I want to talk about this kind of like 1,200 plus range. Mm-hmm. So starting kind of on that lower end, obviously you've got your Taylors and your Martins. Guild, which as we just said, makes a fantastic guitar. 
I had a teacher at one point who had a blonde guild, like super jumbo, you know, but maple back and sides with a spruce top. And it was just like the cleanest sounding guitar I have ever played. Great harmonics, super high ends. Just, I think the, the maple back and sides brought out a tremendous amount of clarity in that and sounded great. So, and I just, I love the way that guild played to this day. Yeah, it's, it's funny how these things like stick with you. Um, and how, how much was it? Can you remember? I can't because honestly, it was one of those, like he bought it sometime in the mid seventies or something like that. Right. You know, he had it for ages. Um, but probably I've seen several of them, some other blondes on there, uh, on like reverb and stuff that go for about, you know, anywhere from 1200 to 2,500, depending upon what they are. Prices okay. on, and that's the thing I think maybe, I don't know how many people that are listening are super familiar with acoustic guitars, but it's not uncommon when you start hitting some of these things like Loudons to be looking at $8,000, $10,000. Yeah, you're, you're, you know, you get into some of these uh, special custom brands um, like the, is it Olsen? Um, yes, I think. Yeah, 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 the Olsen guitars. You're talking like, um, you know, well over 10, 15. I've met people that have paid 18 for an Olsen. So it's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's a whole new world from electric. Like it's, it's crazy. Right. Um, and, and I, I do kind of question whether or not they're worth quite that much. Um, having, I've, I've had the good fortune to play a couple of Olsen's and they are fantastic guitars. They are amazingly well balanced, but I think you can get something for a slightly lesser price, even in the two thousand to three thousand dollar range, if you're willing to go there. And for something like that, Callings is fantastic. I've seen some yeah. great Callings going for right around two thousand if you've got the capital for it. Like they're fantastic. Larave is great. Um, and again, Eastman, you know, in that sort of twelve hundred to two thousand dollar range, Eastman has some great sounding guitars at a really great price. I think some of that's just because they're uh, a little less name recognition that comes with that. That's it, you know, you, that's that's where a lot of well, that's the thing. That's why I really like the the emergence of all these smaller uh, luthiers and you know just dealers as well it's just that you know you don't you're not going for the they don't have that much of a the rates are reduced because of the there's no real name attached to it which is great right like you were saying so yeah like your friend i think i think this is fantastic i mean if you are interested in an acoustic guitar and you have the money for it definitely research who's building it if it's, you know, if it's a friend or a friend of a friend or something like that, know that they're reputable, be able to play their guitar. I definitely recommend that. I had a friend who bought an acoustic guitar off of a sort of an, a journeyman luthier. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't an expert yet. He was still fine tuning his craft and the guitar ended up being a complete mess and almost unsalvageable. So definitely check out the guitar. Make sure you know what you're buying. Consult some other people before you buy the guitar. But yeah. we really are living in the golden age of guitar building when it comes yeah. to and, and acoustic, classical, or even electric guitars. I, again, will reiterate, I don't see a reason. If you're going to spend 
four thousand dollars on a guitar in this day and age you should have a guitar that is built to your specifications for that yeah. price point like you should never go to gibson or fender and ask them to build you a guitar yeah. or in this case martin or taylor for that price because i think four thousand dollars will buy you something that you will be far more happy with than if you're looking at one of those big brands, you know. That's it. Yeah, shop local. If yeah, you can. there you go. Absolutely. That's great. So, shall we move on from Gear Talk to the actual playing of the acoustic guitar and what we like about it and who we like? Um, when you think of, so, hmm, how, where can we start on this? I think, so if you have to name your favorite guitar for his acoustic prowess, guitar player for his acoustic prowess, or hers, probably. Mm. Right. Um, who would you who would you go to? Um, I think oof, that's hard. That's hard. I tend to gravitate more towards sort of the finger style guitar players, and cool. and one of my all time favorites though is Don Ross. Yes, and absolutely. Yeah, I love his ability to kind of uh, interweave melodic content with with what he's playing. So. Naturally, a lot of fingerstyle guys are big into arpeggios, but Don Ross, for me, I think represents a slightly different direction in fingerstyle playing. So you had people like Michael Hedges, which you have to respect Michael Hedges for what he did for the genre, but I find a lot of his stuff is kind of meandering. It's sort of new agey, takes a while to get going. I'm not into the harp guitar stuff, man. I just, yeah. it's not my thing. Um, yeah, I, I I do like Michael Hedges, but people calling him the Jimi Hendrix of acoustic guitar, I think that's... He was certainly groundbreaking in his approach to the instrument, but I would much rather listen to Don Ross or Preston Reed or, um, what's his name, Andy McGee. Yeah. Or, you know, there's just much more of a sense of rhythm, I think, which I really gravitate towards. And um, for people wanting to get started with Don Ross, who John has said, my, I remember hearing the song Michael, 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 and just... That's a fantastic Because it's just groove. Like, it's just, it's virtuosity, but there's such a sense of groove to it. It's insane. Right. I think the, I think the other one, I, I usually mispronounce it, but I'm going to go ahead and try anyway. Off that same album, I think, is uh, Klim Blim. Klim Blim, Klim Blim, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is, that's one of my favorites. Uh, Big Buck's another one that I really enjoy from him as well. Obviously, I, I am totally blown away every time John Gom comes out with something new. And <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, I, I, he was sort of in the periphery. I knew of him, but it was really our friend of the show, Maddie, who mm-hmm. just kind of helped me really get into him. And then Maddie and I got to see him perform in London. And yeah. it was just... Like I had never seen anything like it with one guy in an acoustic guitar. I'm a big fan of a lot of these guys like Antoine Dufour is another one that I really enjoy. And so mm. I've seen several of these players, these finger style players before, but John Gom just takes things to a new level. He, his stage presence is really different. I think than a lot yep. of other people, how he holds Very himself, much. how he plays. And, and you know what that is? He attributes that to, have you heard that? No, no, I haven't. So I went to a workshop with John Gum. He actually signed the back of my guitar. And yeah, he's something like the only signature I have. I know Maddie has his is covered in uh, signatures, but I just have the one John Gum. And when I tell people who it is, they're like, oh yeah, that guy's amazing. And he is. Right. But I remember, and it's something that I've been looking out to do since, is uh, John Gum's 
he talks about the importance of posture and uh, carrying yourself. And he said that he attributes his sense of stage presence and uh, performance skills to the Alexander technique, which is a, I think they oh, teach yeah. music schools, but it's basically a way of holding your body and movement. And he says that's a massive part of it. So people who are interested, look into that. I've been trying to find a course now for ages, but they're like, you can go for a weekend or you can do it over a few weeks. And, it's pretty specialized stuff. There's some good Very things in so. there. I, yeah. I've done like mini sessions with people who were, I, I, don't, I don't quite understand the whole certification or what makes you a master yeah, in Alexander yeah. technique. But um, yeah, just body, a lot of it's body awareness, which mm. is kind of weird because we move around a whole bunch. And I think as a musician, it's important to be really connected with what. At the very least, your fingers are doing. And it's funny how much, I think, as guitar players, we kind of flop patterns around on the fretboard without really thinking about our articulation in the left or the right hand. Are we going to drop the mindfulness bomb? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I'm not going to use the M word. So, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so cool. those those are a few of my favorites. I mean, do you have anything to add to those? I think there's there's so many great players. But do you have a few that you would throw in there? Well, I it's it's we've talked about before how I'm mad into to hybrid picking and how I got first into that was I remember hearing uh, out on the Western Plain by Rory Galler, and Rory Galler is you know he's a god of the electric guitar, but. I just love his acoustic stuff so much because he basically takes all these old blues songs and just turns it up to 11. Just uh, in terms of his, he just does so many things by keeping the drone going between the, mm-hmm. the D and the uh, E and the D string and uh, with that drop tuning. And he's just, uh, I just, I love it. It's really, really good. And he's just so nimble. Um, so yeah, that out on the Western plane is definitely probably my Definitely, probably, it's definitely up there with my uh, favorite acoustic guitar songs ever. It's it's amazing, and he's just he's he's my acoustic guitar kind of god, really. And um, when it comes to it, but I do love finger style as well. We I I, I think Newton Faulkner was the big guy for me there when I was starting off with that. I think uh, acoustic stylistically is deserves kind of its own branch of guitar recognition. I I, I don't know quite how to put it, but I just because there is something different in the technique. And I think there is something really organic about acoustic guitar playing. I'm a little bit more of a classical player than I am an acoustic player, but that said, there's something really organic about just the sound of the acoustic and the feel of it as, as it vibrates with your body, I think. And, but the, what's, what's interesting is I think there's, there's a different approach to it. Technically, would you would you find that's the case in your own playing? I mean, you're, a lot of your singer-songwriter stuff is more complex than just sitting up there and strumming for four chords. Like, you've made yeah. an effort to kind of try to incorporate some blues riffs and some different scale passages and things in your own playing. And how do you find, I guess, how do you find the inspiration? And then what, what do you look at as far as like, hey, if I need to improve my acoustic technique, that how is how does that differ from electric stuff? Oh, that's a good question. Really good. Um, so hmm, it kind of depends on what we brought this back to before. Basically, what you want to sound like and what your kind of musical goals are. Um, a big thing for me with acoustic guitar is, or any guitar is, 
unless I'm playing like slap where I can, you know, uh, playing a song like Sherman Illinois or Heroes or Red where I am using my thumb instead of a pick, I really don't feel comfortable because I've played with a pick since I started playing guitar. I really feel don't, don't feel comfortable playing a, um, an acoustic guitar or an electric guitar without a pick. It's a big part of my uh, playing style if I do have a playing style and just that I find that there's no real sense of percussiveness without a pick that I, I can't get without just using my thumb mm-hmm. so that's a big part of, of playing and writing and I find with I like I, my chord knowledge really could be better but I think I substitute that with um, altered tunings is a big thing for me as well especially dadgad uh, because because yeah. you can't go I, wrong with Dad Gad. But that's the thing. Like I, I remember another singer songwriter came up to me before, and he's like, "Oh, you inspired me to to write a song in Dad Gad." And I said to him, "If you tell anybody how easy it is to play in Dad Gad, I'll fucking kill you." <laughs> you know, it's 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 like Open G. I was just writing a riff there in Open G. I'm like, I can hit anything, and it'll sound good. Um, it's just a big and now my secret's out uh, there are actually two guitar players who I really want to say for me as a as a but well, I do love John Butler in his own way. I know Ocean is like the, I, I don't like Ocean, but I think as someone who plays All twelve minutes guitar, of it, <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, as someone who plays and sings guitar, what he does the the synchronizing of that is really impressive to me. And um, also, we never mentioned him, Eric Roach, uh, massive. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a good segue into Eric Roach wrote a book called the Acoustic Guitar Bible, which you know it's a bit arrogant to write a book and call it that but it's very very good i actually have it here um, yeah, yeah, voila. It's, it's really Holy good cow, it's huge it is it is a tome but he goes through everything he goes through how a guitar is constructed he goes into like you know left and right hand synchronization it's basically like circle of fifths everything and then at the end he's got loads of arrangements of uh, you know, like God rest you, merry gentlemen, and Handel and Bach, but it's all his stuff, and it's a lot of it's written Daga, which is really appealing to me at the start. Um, I really like him as a guitar player as well. I think that if you, if Michael Hedges is not your thing, give Eric Roach a try, and it's not just because of that whole he's kind of from Ireland thing. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know really? he was from Ireland. So, uh, a few other yeah. books. Like I, I was kind of curious because. For the most part, my fingerstyle education has consisted of either me picking up tabs of songs I liked, whether that's buying them from the artist, um, which is a pretty common thing for me to have done, or, yes. you know, like a fingerstyle Christmas, something like that, where, <laughs> yeah. you know, I learned a bunch of Christmas tunes in crazy open tunings. Um, and and in, in terms of the percussive stuff, I haven't dabbled too much in it. I think it's it's there's some stuff that can be pretty easy. For example, like Andy McKee's drifting, which is easier than it looks. I will put it that way because it's mm-hmm. all like straight it's, eighth it's notes and your, your percussion much. stuff is basically like everything's your, all your hits are on two and four. So you're just playing a snare drum the whole time. So it's yeah. easier. It's easier than it looks. But that said, um, I, I kind of, I hit up Maddie to just ask like, Hey, what are some, some other things out there? His he mentioned Chris Woods, uh, who is not someone we've talked about yet, but also fantastic guitar player. Yeah, and it, that's probably your best introduction to your percussive acoustic stuff. Which, if if you're looking for a book, and the thing that I find that's useful about a book as opposed to just finding things on YouTube 
is there's a system to it. Mm -hmm. It's systematized. It talks about like, how do you, how do you think about the guitar as a percussive instrument and not just like, Hey, there's, it's this thing with these strings and I just hit it. Well, how do you hit it? What parts yeah. of your hand do you use? What to make what sounds, what parts of the guitar do you use to make what sounds? So that yeah, I think is, is very... probably a good place to start if you're interested in those things. Absolutely. Synchronization. It's all about learning that you do have to think like a drummer for a lot of it. Um, which is, you know, which is, I, lo I love that kind of approach to <clears throat> treating the guitar. It does keep things interesting, but you find as well with that kind of guitar playing, people can, it, it's such a niche type of guitar playing mm -hmm. that I find at a singer songwriter gig, if you play more than two of those songs that are just instrumentals, people are just like, oh, right. Okay. They, you know, it's something that you can enjoy for 10 minutes and then you kind of just get a little bit bored of it. I get um, bored of playing. Unless you're John Gum. So, that's junk that's very so, different. So yeah. you need to figure out how to sing, retune your guitar and and play percussive stuff on the guitar while building a melody or a counter melody to your voice on the instrument. So there you go. Uh, how hard could it be, John? Honestly. Yeah. How hard could it be? Famous last uh, anyway. Exactly. Um no, I yeah. If you had to pick final acoustic guitar question of the day, if you had to pick one primarily acoustic guitar based album to bring with you on a desert island what would it be who oh gosh um that is really that's a hard one um, okay i'll name a couple okay you, you go ahead and name a couple <clears throat> with these hands by eric roach roach sorry um crotch and uh <laughs> tommy emmanuel's live in nashville i think it is it's yes just a beast of an album i bought a thumb pick recently and it's so hard <laughs> it's i so can't hard. do it man i have tried several times like i just can't do the thumb pick thing no, it's, it's weird it's it, so it weird. just it makes your thumb stick out so much it's so strange i don't I like just, it yeah no i'm not not yeah how he does it i don't know how he does it and um, yeah and uh, don't get me wrong like i do like like i'm gonna have to say that unplugged in new york by nirvana was a really pivotable pivotable um pivotal <laughs> album sorry it's been a long day it's gonna work um uh album for me in learning guitar because those songs are super easy and it was cool to see everything stripped down to acoustic guitar through a effects pedal <laughs> right <laughs> uh, i know it's totally acoustic but yeah so those would be mine um eric roaches with these hands is my favorite percussive guitar album finger style album oh man okay so i would have to say uh, we mentioned it earlier don ross the album yeah. passion session uh which i think is just a fantastic record all the way around the oof there would also be, let's see, Antoine Dufour. Um, his, oh gosh, what is the name of the album? Dude, you totally put me on the spot now. I ah! did there. You're going to think of something as soon as we stop this. Yeah, exactly. So I really enjoyed his, uh, I believe it was the Convergence album. So that was that was a great one as well. Let's or existence. That's the one I'm thinking of. Existence, which is cool. yeah, which had things like Thirty Minutes in London and all that stuff, uh, which was a fantastic record as well. So two of those. I don't know. It's hard for me to pin down a single Tommy Emmanuel album. A lot of them to me kind of blend together. To be honest, don't get me wrong. I'm not disparaging Tommy Emmanuel in any way, 
but um, I would have to throw something in there by Tommy Emmanuel. So it would be, it would be hard. I do have one of my favorites to listen to though, is a bootleg from a, a concert he did in Kansas city. I happen to know someone who was just working the show and they recorded it. So <laughs> it was <laughs> fan. It's, it's a lot of fun. You catch a lot of his uh, personality in that particular recording. So at any rate, cool. are, are we, are we moving on to what, what have you been listening to? Is it working on or listening to? I think it's working on first, right? Yes, I think you're yes. right. Yes, it is. It's been a while, John. Um, I have been working on mostly Jerry's Breakdown, to be honest with you. Um, I've also been working on that because it's, it really is a brain exercise, but I feel it, it's one of those guitar pieces that really gives me a sense of accomplishment, probably because it, stand, it sounds really good on its own without any like backing, and I'm so used to playing with bands or backing tracks or something. Sure. It's just a really nice piece to have. That's been a big one. And I've also been doing some, trying to get into this morning songwriting routine of just waking up and just sitting down and just putting down the words and trying to get back into a routine of that. So musically, that's what I've been working on. Also playing more gigs and getting more gigs and thinking, trying to, promo is a fickle mistress, um, but maybe working on a mini US tour for our next Ooh, spring. Oh, hey, sorry. that's cool. That would be super cool. That. So that's what I've been working on because it's a lot of work. Um, how about you? What have you been working on guitar-wise? Oh, yeah. So I, I think it's interesting you brought up the songwriting thing because I've been trying to figure out how to carve out more time to do my own writing. Um, I've got a couple of projects in the works. One is kind of a a comedy sort of project. So we'll see how that goes and where that goes. And the other is just mostly guitar oriented music, but cool. really trying to spend some time working on, on that. And, and again, it's, it's probably worth having a conversation at a later date, just uh, or another episode of carving out time, making time for practice. We've covered it before, but I think it's always a relevant topic. So hundred uh, percent. Yeah, and then as far as technical stuff, I've been working on a couple of songs for classical, or I've been working on a couple of classical pieces, and then just trying to keep up some chops. I've got some students who are working on a couple of really difficult uh, tech deaths. Did I think I've talked about tech? You've death, talked about but, tech death before, which yeah. is just like basically if you take animals as leaders and you put death metal vocals over it, that's mostly what the genre is. So super accessible. Yeah, exactly. But it definitely keeps me on my toes with a lot of different things. So, but there's a particular song that I've been working on, just trying to tap it out because a lot of this stuff isn't even well known enough that there are tablatures for it, and it's and most of the bands don't put out books, or if they do you know, the book will come out next year and get that amazing slower downer going. Yeah. You're not wrong. Or the half speed on YouTube and, or both. <laughs> so <laughs> slower times. You won't good go any slower times. captain. And, uh, for listening, I've been to, because I have money to go to gigs now because of job. Uh, I have been going to a lot of gigs uh, the last time I believe we spoke, I was talking about going to the AAS, which was a hell of a show. And cool. then I went to Father John Misty, uh, which was always great because, you know, thesis flashbacks. <sighs> um, Did you ever the, throw your thesis at him? You really should. No, I can never get close enough. Uh, and the, but the last, I went to see um, Patty Smith and Nick Cave uh, 
this time last week, and it was one of the best gigs I've been oh, to that in sounds a amazing. very long time. Warren Ellis as like a just a musician in the background creating all this insane music for Nick Cave to sing against is and Nick Cave is just a born showman. Like so good. So good. I was speechless, like crying. Um, yeah, really, really good. Just to, to sum it up, how about you? What have you been listening to? Well, I just want to, like, as far as Nick Cave goes, like, the one of my favorite appearances of him on screen is from the... I'm trying to remember if it was... Oh, now I just forgot the name of it. What the heck is the name of the black and white German movie with the angels? Oh, gah. The one that City of Angels is based on. Yeah, shoot. Um, Wings of Desire. Yeah, that's it. I love that soundtrack. I absolutely love that soundtrack. And wow, I can't believe that just like totally fell out of my my German, well, German film professor who is actually Austrian is would have my head if he ever knew. But he won't listen to this, so I'm not worried about it. Um, but anyway, <laughs> what have I been listening to? A very Did Nick Cave contributed. Yeah, he actually in in the movie he was in he had a, he wrote a couple of songs for a sequence where he's performing, and the girl that the main character is interested in, uh, I think it's uh, Cassiel is is the name of the angel, and he's interested in this girl, the girl goes to a Nick cave show and Nick cave is performing, I think two or three new songs yeah. that he wrote just for the, I have to this up. yeah, it, absolutely fantastic. It's, it's great. It's great. And, and fun too. Great appearance of him on screen. And then he's also on the soundtrack as well. Yeah. Charismatic as always, as always. So, cool. and anything else you've been listening to? <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna. I'm going to try try to pronounce this guy's name. Uh, let's see, or maybe I can find. You know, all right, we'll just try it. Borelli uh, Lagarne, I think, is his name. Okay. So he is a French jazz guitar player. He's kind of kind of in this Django realm of okay, things. Okay, cool. Sort of a gypsy jazz thing with more fingers. Assumedly. Yeah. Exactly. Which. But he incorporates a lot of modern jazz. You can hear influence of like Miles Davis, John Schofield, and all that stuff, and some of his later recordings, especially. Um, Sweet. So yeah, he gets he gets into some really interesting things, and but of course, just shreds it up like Django. And I I can't say I've been listening to anything specific. It just kind of finding like Spotify playlist, YouTube playlist, just watching yeah. this guy is absolutely fantastic. So. He's been active for a really long time, um, and I've got a couple of things. I've got a, a an album of him live at Carnegie Hall or something, but and I sort of came across it in my vast iTunes library and was like, "Oh yeah, this guy." So I went back and I love that. Some, I love yeah, that feeling. And just kind of like, "Holy cow!" And not only that, because I had just bought it because there were a couple of songs that I was learning at the time, just jazz standards. But I went back and really did a deep dive into some of the stuff that this guy does. And just fantastic, great, great sense of taste, but also flair. And so if you, if you look him I up... I do love I'll, flair, John. I am quite flamboyant. <laughs> <laughs> Glitter! 
glitter everywhere. Dylan is known for his glitter eyeliner. So yeah, that's the, right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll spell his name. So it's B R or B I R E L I. And then it's L A G R E N E. So Borelli cool. Lagern. That's, that's the best I can do. I apologize to any and all of our French listeners, but it's cool. Uh, yeah. So that's that. Jazzy. I think, that's, I think that's about us. Yes. Friends, we have some more interviews coming up soon. Uh, hopefully our next episode will be an interview episode, but we're not going to tell you who because it hasn't been confirmed yet. So, uh, yes, thank you for everybody who's been tuning in. Our, our, our interview with me got like 400 and something uh, listens. So that was really, really cool to see. Uh, we also, our episode with um, Jens Larsen and Chris Super was released about six days ago, um, but it's going to be much longer ago when you hear this. Um, and thank you for everybody that's been enjoying that and for all the lovely feedback. And yeah, stay, go stay team. Awesome. Uh, John, anything, anything you'd like to add? Uh, I love all of you. Oh, that's nice. That's a really yeah. positive note, <laughs> note to end on. <laughs> that didn't sound that. very sincere it though. did not sound sincere at all yeah anyway yeah. you're the one with the early shift over there anyway uh, enjoy your Sunday and uh, everybody uh, like us on Twitter give us a give us a, you know a review please we need them um, or don't whatever uh, stay sharp friends